want to draw your attention today to the book of Hosea. Hosea and to the 12th chapter. Hosea chapter 12. Uh, reading together please from verse number 1. Hosea 12 reading from verse number 1. Let us hear the word of God. Ephraim feedeth on wind and followeth after the east wind. He daily increaseth lies and desolation. And they do make a covenant with the Assyrians, and oil is carried into Egypt. The Lord have also a controversy with Judah, and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his doings will he recompense him. He took his brother by the heel, in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel, and prevailed. He wept, and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial. Therefore turn thou to thy God, keep mercy and judgment, and wait on thy God continually. Amen. We'll end our reading here, and we know God will bless the public reading of his word to every heart. Let's just unite our hearts together in a moment's prayer. Almighty God and Father in heaven, in the holy name of Jesus Christ our Lord, and by the merits of his blood, we approach again the throne of grace and of mercy. And, O God, we bow the living to praise Thee, and the saved to worship. O God, we worship Thee in the Holy Trinity of Thy sacred persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We realise we come as the mortal before the immortal, and the foolish before the infinitely wise, creatures of time before the God of eternity, those that are oft times perplexed about what to do next, before one that knows the end from the beginning. And, O oh God, we come and we bow down, and we recognise that before the hills an order stood, our earth received its frame, from everlasting thou art God, to endless years the same. And, Father, we cry to thee now to remember me, remember this word that will go forth to those that will hear it, bless it to their hearts, use it for your glory, come and visit us even now. Lord, forgive our sins for their many, Sins of omission, sins of commission, cleanses in the blood of Christ. And Lord, give that help now from the sanctuary above. I confess before heaven and before thee, my God, my complete inadequacy to deal with what's before me now in this situation. Empty me now of self and sin. Forgive my sins for their many and fill me now with the Holy Ghost. Cleanse this vessel in the blood of Christ. We stand into the victory of the cross, pray against the devil and every power of darkness, and we pray, O God, our Father, that thou would draw near and answer prayer and give help now, Lord, we're in the supplicator's chair, never ashamed to be in this chair, never ashamed to say before heaven we need help, we need God to come. Lord, visit us now, we ask for Jesus' sake and for his eternal glory. Amen. Amen. Hosea was one of the minor prophets. There are, as I'm sure you know, 12 minor prophets. Now, they were not called minor prophets because they were of less value or credit or authority than the other prophets, but simply because their books were smaller than the major prophets. Some believe that Jonah, Joel and Amos were before Hosea's time. And it's thought that Hosea prophesied or preached 
about 800 years before the incarnation of our Holy Lord. For example, when you think of the time frame, Isaiah prophesied about 700 years before Christ. And some feel Hosea was 800 years before Christ. Hosea was the son of Beeri, as chapter 1, verse 1 of his book tells us. His ministry was mostly toward the ten tribes of Israel, reproving them for their sins and urging them to repent. Also, of course, in his ministry, he brought comfort to the people of God, to the godly in the land. Whenever the Apostle Paul wrote the epistle to the Romans, he quoted from Hosea 2 and Hosea 1. Those words are recorded for us in Romans chapter 9. Christ himself quoted from the book of Hosea in preaching in Matthew 9, verse 13. He said, Go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Quoting, of course, from Hosea chapter 6. And the Lord used the same quotation in Matthew chapter 12. But I want you to notice something about our Lord there. Our Lord, in his earthly ministry, never set aside his own ordained way. Christ was God. Christ could have produced the greatest arguments from his own wisdom that man had ever heard or ever would hear. But our Lord did not step aside from preaching the book. He preached from Hosea. He preached from Jonah. He preached from Micah. He preached from the books of the law. He preached from the Psalms to show us that in this book, the scriptures, we have the greatest material ever needed and ever given to man to preach. Hosea was a teacher in Israel at the time when there had been a great departure from God. Isaiah, Micah addressed their reproofs to Judah. Hosea and Amos, they addressed their reproofs to the kingdom of Israel. In Hosea's time, Israel had long since apostatized into great idolatry. And he ministered at the same time uh, as kings, Hosea did, as the kings Josiah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah and Jeroboam, kings of Israel. But it is to Hosea 12, and really verses 3 to 5, that I want to look at with you today. And it's a message that I've entitled, The Road to Blessing, or The Requirements to Blessing. And the first thing I want to show you is the the setting that we find these verses in verses 3 and 5. The setting in which they're found. Well, look at verse 1 of Hosea 12, first of all. It says, Ephraim feedeth on wind, and followeth after the east wind. He daily increase of lies and desolation, and they do make covenant with the Assyrians, and oil is carried into Egypt. What's in view there is, Ephraim is being charged with great folly by staying himself or getting support from Egypt and the Assyrians. Ephraim was as one who feeds on wind, as verse 1 tells us, and it just really means there's no substance, there's no stability, there's no security. Ephraim has turned to man for help, and it's all vain. And verse 1 goes on to tell us how he had done it. He had tried to buy help by carrying oil and gifts into Egypt. But on Egypt and the Assyrians' part, 
It was all lies, as verse 1 tells us. They had no intention of helping Ephraim. They took the gifts, but would betray Ephraim in the long run. Ephraim had tried to enter into covenant with Egypt and Assyria, but it wouldn't work. It was an unequal yoke, and it never works. And when Egypt got all the goods carried to them, they broke the covenant. It was a covenant that was based upon falsehood. There was no, there was nothing there that could be trusted. Verse 2 of Hosea also tells us the Lord have a controversy with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his doings, will he recompense him? But when we read Jacob, it's speaking about Judah and Ephraim being descendants from Jacob. And they're charged with this folly, going to the world for assistance. That's the setting in which these verses are found. They're charged with folly. Ephraim and Judah are charged with folly for going to the world to see if they can get assistance. That's the setting in which verses 3 and 4 fall. Secondly, the teaching that is in view here. Look at verse 3 and 4. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. And then verse 4 of Hosea 12, Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. The behaviour of their old father Jacob was just so far removed from theirs. That's what the Lord's showing them. The behaviour of Jacob compared to the behaviour now of Ephraim and Judah was just so far removed. And the Lord is reminding them that through Hosea that they needed to think of how their old father Jacob had dealt with matters. He's referring to the time when Jacob was in trouble and Esau was coming with 400 men, recorded there, of course, in Genesis 32. Jacob didn't seek to bring in neighbouring armies. He sought to bring the Lord into it. Verse 1 and 2 tells us he had power with God. He had power over the angel. It means he persevered, he persisted. The word power is the Hebrew word sarah, used only in these two verses. But the thought is, it was such a unique moment In the history of a man, yes, Jacob, in the history of Jacob, but in the history of a nation. Because that is what flowed from that night recorded in Genesis 32, when Jacob had power with God, when Jacob had power over the angel. It's as if the Lord's saying here to Ephraim and Judah in Hosea 12, Have these people forgotten the lesson of their father Jacob? Have they forgotten the lesson, the lessons, the teachings of previous generations that I, the Lord, had put in the canon, that they could read of Jacob when he was in trouble, that they could read of men who got before God and prayed, Abram when he was in trouble, Isaac when he was in trouble, it's as if the Lord's saying through Hosea here to Ephraim and Judah, have you forgot the lessons of your old father Jacob, how he persevered with the angel and prevailed? Maybe I speak to some, and the Lord would say, where are those who will persevere with God? Where are those that will persevere with God in the difficulties, in the dangerous times? You see, Jacob's future, And his family's future depended on it in Genesis 32. 
But as the head of the home, Jacob prevailed with God. And I say again, Hosea, the Lord through Hosea is saying to Ephraim, Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten about your old father, Jacob? How previous generations dealt with the hard times. Oh, Ephraim, you're feeding on the wind, going to the world for help. The setting in view, and the teaching in view. Under this thought of the teaching that's here, there is, of course, the thought of providence in the night that Jacob prevailed. I want you to understand that the night that Jacob prevailed in Genesis 32, it was a night that the Lord brought it to pass. Look at verse 4 of Hosea 12. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel. Now understand, that is speaking about God finding Jacob. Now go with me to Genesis 32. Genesis 32. Turn there, please. Genesis number 32. That well-known portion where Jacob prevails with God. Genesis 32. Please turn there. And look with me. Look with me at Genesis 32 and verse 24. And there we read, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. I want you to understand that God wrestled with Jacob. He led the situation. He controlled the affairs to bring Jacob to the place of blessing. Now, you all know the background, I'm sure, to this whole scenario. Esau is on his way with 400 men. Verse 6 of Genesis 32 tells us. But that's the background to the Lord coming to wrestle with Jacob. You just see the hand of God in it all. Yes, 400 men were not good news. I grant that. I grant you that. But the Lord was all the way preparing to get Jacob alone with him that he might bless him and his family. And in blessing him and his family, he might furnish the church, the Old Testament people of God, that he might furnish them for years to come. 400 men on the way, that's the setting in Genesis 32. Jacob wouldn't have sent his family on over the brook, on over the Ford Jabbok, had Esau not been coming. Need to understand that God ordered all this. And maybe God has ordered somebody's affairs that's listening to this. I grant you for Jacob it wasn't too pleasant the way it all happened. And maybe for you, whatever situation has come into your life, it hasn't been too pleasant. But nonetheless, the result has been that you have been alone with God. And and we need to see God's hand in the situation. And I want you to understand that when God found or came to Jacob here, it was because God had to deal with Jacob. But we must not, and it would be wrong to, interpret Genesis 32 Alone to the situation concerning Jacob. It's far bigger. It's far bigger than one man. Yes, God had a plan for this night with Jacob to bless him. But God had a plan for his family. Benjamin's not even born yet. Joseph, the young Joseph's here. What a future he was going to have in the work of God. And yet we understand that had Jacob not prevailed in Genesis 32, Joseph's future would have been very different. But that night at Peniel, God met him. 
And God came to bless Jacob. There was the providence of that night. There was also the tears of this night. Go back now to Hosea 12. Hosea chapter 12. Look with me there at verse number 4. Yea, he, that's, that's Jacob, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept. Just pause there. The word for wept is the Hebrew word baka. Could I say Jacob's broken? It's a brokenness that's associated with mourning, with death. That's the way the word's used in the Bible. There's no false tears here. I say to you, there's death here. Jacob died that night. Can I say that? Jacob that night died to self. He died to personal ambition. He died that he might only live for God. And it's a lesson to every believer. And I say it to my own heart as I preach this. Do we need to die to self? He wept. He wept as a parent. He wept as a husband. Thinking about his wife. Children, what does this mean for my children? He saw on his way, what does this mean for my wife? What Jacob's praying about this night alone with God, it affects more than Jacob. He's married, he has a family, he's the head of a home and God has brought the situation to a head. Go back to Genesis 32 a moment, please. Go back to Genesis 32. Keep your your, your marker in Hosea 12, but go back to Genesis 32. And we read there in verse 26 and 27, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Now, of course, you know what the Lord was getting at here. That's the situation recorded in Genesis 27 when Jacob comes to his old father Isaac. He's old and his eyes are dim and he couldn't see. And Jacob deceives his father Isaac. He pretends to be Esau. All the while deceiving his father. Pretending that he had got the, the, the meat so quickly because the Lord brought it to him. Verse 24 of Genesis 27, Isaac says to Jacob, Art thou my very son Esau? And he says, I am. We would say to Jacob, O Jacob, hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He's not old and dim-eyed. He knows the situation completely. He knows the situation completely. Jacob's brokenness was a sign of something else. His own ideas and scheming had got him into this trouble and he knows it. He knows it. 
that God's way of dealing with situations would get him out of it. See that, dear brother, sister. The flesh, the scheming of Jacob, those years earlier got him into all this trouble. But God Almighty's way of dealing with situations when he comes this night to Jacob would get him out of the trouble. There's also supplication. In Hosea 12, go back there. Again to verse 4, our text. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. The word supplication is the Hebrew word canon or chanon. He prayed. He entreated grace. He longed for God to be gracious. The word canon, it means be merciful, be gracious, have pity. When you think about that, brother or sister, when we pray, we're asking God to be merciful. We're asking God to be gracious. We're asking God to have pity on us. We always depend on God being gracious because we have no merit. Let's get it clear. We pray in Jesus' name because it's the only name that prevails before the throne. But brother, sister, all the merit that we need today or any other day is the merit of the Lamb. And the only name that we need to approach in is the name of our Holy Lord Jesus. And when Jacob prays, he makes supplication unto him. He weeps. He makes supplication. This night that the Lord had ordered, that the Lord had ordained. And what a, what a message it is to us today. Oh, it wasn't only a great message to Ephraim in that day. Why are you going to the world? Why are you going to anybody else? When God has proved himself worthy to be trusted to your forefathers, but it's as relevant today in 2020. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. The setting, the teaching, the providence, the tears, the supplication. What about the challenge in view? You say, preacher, what's the challenge? Well, that night Jacob prevailed and came out clean for God, was honest before God and received the blessing. But the challenge is seen really in verse number 6 of Hosea 12. Look with me there. Therefore, turn thou to thy God, keep mercy and judgment, and wait on thy God continually. What is the Lord saying here? He's saying, therefore, when we see that word, therefore, in light of what I've just shown you, Hosea is saying to Israel, turn thou to thy God. He's telling them since they need to turn, they're looking in the wrong direction for help. They're looking in the wrong direction for relief, for succor. Turn thou to thy God as Jacob did. And then he says, keep mercy. That's goodness and favor and judgment. Be lawful. Having turned to look to God for help, keep mercy and judgment. That's what verse six is saying. 
Because you see, the comparison still being tied in with Genesis 32, where Jacob put away the scheming and come out clean for God. In other words, don't grieve the Lord, but come out clean for him. Keep near him. We so often sing the old hymn. Well, maybe we don't sing it so often anymore. Our life upon the altar lay. What's the altar? It's a place of death. Place where ambitions put to death. Place where our own desires are put to death. Are all upon the altar lay. I tell you that's what happened Jacob in Genesis 32. The Holy Ghost will do the rest and give to us God's very blessed. And that night Jacob received the blessing. God touched that man. He changed that man that night. And I don't know who all is going to listen to this message, but a quick thought here, and I have said this before, and I will say it again. When a believer receives the blessing of God and is walking with the Lord and knowing the Lord near, I say to that brother, to that sister, be sober, be vigilant. Because though the devil in his power has no might, to take away the blessing you have received. He's fully aware that there's another way that he can remove that blessing from you. And it's, of course, by temptation, by his guile, by his deceit, when he would come and tempt you and you would lose the blessing for a season. You grieve the Lord when you f- fall into temptation. I say to the brother or sister that's blessed, Stay near God. Don't grieve him. Keep mercy and judgment, as verse 6 says. Or, or think of those words of the other Old Testament prophet, what Micah said. That the Lord has showed thee, O man, what is good. Micah 6, verse 8. And what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. Wait on thy God continually. As the end of verse 6 of Hosea 12 shows us. Pray, wait. Pray until ye prevail as Jacob did. Wait on thy God continually. You see, I think there's a few lines that are too easily said in some of our prayer meetings. Someday, will pray and they'll say, Lord, I cannot let you go until you bless me. And of course, they're quoting Jacob this night in Genesis 32. And it's a wonderful thing to pray, mind you. It's a wonderful thing to pray, mind you. Provided you're prepared to honour it. You say, what do you mean? Jacob was prepared to not let go until the Lord blessed. And I fear that so many that pray that, they say it, and really what they mean is, Lord, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me, but really it needs to happen within the next five minutes. Oh, dear people, 
Verse 6 here of Hosea 12 says, Learn the, learn the lesson of your old father Jacob. Wait on thy God continually. The word continually, it doesn't need interpretation. It means what it says. And maybe again, as I close this message, maybe again I'm speaking to somebody here and God has brought you to a position of being alone with him. And it's a crisis moment. I say to you, I say to you as I preach this, the church of Christ today is in a crisis moment. This awful virus has come. Our churches are closed. But I'll tell you something that's not closed. Heaven's not closed. The throne of grace isn't closed. It's open for the people of God. It's open for them to draw near. It's open for them. The blood has been shed to bring them nigh. And God is showing us here. Look to him. Do good and keep it lawful. Wait in thy God continually. And the challenge is this. Will everybody do it? That's the challenge. The challenge to Ephraim and Judah were, would they do it? The challenge in 2020 to us who are gathered, or to we who are gathered at this moment, listening to this message, the challenge is, will everybody do it? In fact, let me narrow that down a wee bit. Will somebody do it? I'll narrow it down a wee bit further. Will anybody do it? Will anybody do it? Will one say in their heart right now before God, I will, for the sake of my Christ, for the sake of my Lord, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the cause of truth, for the sake of my family, I will wait on my God continually. Ah, that's what Hosea 12 demands. That's what it is exhorting. And as means of encouragement to do it, the Holy Ghost leads Hosea to bring in Jacob as the example. In other words, do you see the blessings he received by doing it? Maybe one here, and you say, I know my prayer life has slacked, and it hasn't worked. I say to you, brother, sister, then turn. Turn thou to thy God. Keep mercy and judgment and wait on thy God continually. And if you do it, or if any of us do it, thank God there's blessing in store. Blessing that's been promised by our Lord. Blessing that's been purchased by his blood. Blessing that's given to those that wait and prevail with God. Brother, sister, let us stir our hearts. Rather, may God stir them. Give us grace to wait. And may God write his word on every heart for his name's sake. Let's unite our hearts together in a moment's prayer. Lord, in the quietness of these moments, we just give ourselves afresh to thee. Forgive our lack of prayerfulness. Forgive our times when we neglect it. To spend that time before thee the Most High. Lord, we give ourselves afresh to thee. Let the blood prevail. 
Let blessing descend, blessing that is ours by covenant and ours by blood. Bless the little work in Orlando. Bless the North American Presbytery. Bless the Presbytery here at home in the UK. Lo, God, visit our lands and nations. Remember those that need thee in that special way in these days. Hear prayer. Hear prayer. In heaven your dwelling place, and apply the word by the Spirit. And now may grace, mercy, and peace from God and Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, rest, remain, and abide, and all that love the Saviour, both today and for evermore. Amen. <laughs>